You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Here's your host, Paul Hudrick. Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I'm your host, Paul Hudrick, and today I am joined by a very special guest, a guy who I'm going to call a friend of the podcast, only because he's actually a friend of mine in real life. And that is from NBC Sports Philadelphia, their Sixers insider, the great Noah Levick. Noah, thank you as always for coming on, man. I appreciate you very much. Thank you for having me on. All of those descriptors are incredibly kind and generous and much appreciated and always glad to uh, join you on your podcast. Absolutely. Well earned, uh, all of those things. So well, well earned descriptors. I'll say that. So, um, yeah, we have a pretty big basketball game uh, that is afoot on Thursday evening when the Brooklyn Nets come to town to play the 76ers. Uh, there's going to be a guy sitting on the bench that's going to get a lot of attention. His name is Ben Simmons, and we're going to get into that a little bit and some of the noise around that and some of the comments made by the Brooklyn Nets and Steve Nash and you know, some things that were brought up that uh, fair, or unfair. And I think there's we'll get into it, but kind of two different mindsets, I feel like, from each team. Um, and we can dive into it a little bit. But first, no, I really want to talk about, like, I think getting lost here in all of this with all the Ben Simmons hype and, and him coming back and the reaction and how it's going to be and, you know, what's going to happen and beefed up security and blah, 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 like. This is two really good basketball teams that are going to meet here that both have an awful lot of, especially the Nets. I mean, they have a lot to play for right now. They are a playing team. They are six games out of a guaranteed playoff spot right now with not a lot of time left. Um, you know, obviously KD is back um, from that sprained MCL. He's been back for a couple games here. Kyrie looked like Kyrie the other night against Charlotte. Um, he was sensational 50 points on 19 shots, which is absurd. The Sixers, meanwhile, when James Harden plays, they are 5-0, and and they look pretty darn good uh, when he is on the floor, especially when he is on the floor alongside Joel Embiid and, and uh, Tyrese Maxey. So, Noah, you know, just looking at this from a basketball standpoint, for you, what is the thing that you're, whether it's a matchup, whether it's a storyline, whatever, what is the thing you're kind of most looking for in the actual basketball game that is being played on the court? I think just overall, how do the Sixers hold up defensively? I think they've exceeded my expectations a little bit on that front thus far, but some of that does feel a little bit fortunate. Like you have the game in New York where James Harding comes away with five steals and that's not going to happen every night. They've also had stretches where they've played zone defense effectively which I think on one hand is encouraging, but on the other hand, it's still valid to wonder how sustainable that might be or whether this is a team that 
can lean on its own at times in the playoffs to work around some of the deficiencies that individuals have defensively. Uh, so yeah, I think if I had to pinpoint something, that would that would probably be the number one thing. Uh, obviously, Matisse Thibel always has a big burden defensively. Uh, so with him, of course, number one is just avoid foul trouble, be solid. And number two is, does he present enough of an offensive threat that it is viable to play him heavy minutes? And the answer to that question has been yes, a good amount, thanks to James Harden. You know, in this early stretch of Harden's tenure, Thibel with three double-figure scoring games, doing really good stuff as a cutter and as a screener and roller. But, you know, he also had two scoreless games, and we know that most teams this season have preferred to not show him respect as a shooter and that oftentimes he hasn't made them pay for that defensive approach. So we'll see how he handles Kevin Durant. Uh, most likely we'll see whether the Sixers can stop Kyrie Irving from scoring 50 points <laughs> again. And I think Tobias Harris as well uh, has a big role to play here. Durant cooked him down the stretch of that December 30th game in Brooklyn. And it wasn't like Harris played bad defense. Durant it's just Kevin Durant. <laughs> Kevin Durant shots, right? And Harris is coming off a strong defensive effort against DeMar DeRozan. So we'll see if he can back that up uh, with another good one uh, against Brooklyn. And I think just the Brooklyn offense versus Sixers defense, that's an intriguing matchup uh, in a few different ways. You brought up a lot of interesting things, and I kind of want to touch on a, a few of them. One, I, I agree with you that, and we were, you know, in the Liberty Bowl or Slack, that was a big discussion of who gets what assignment, who does what. I tend to think that they start off with Tobias guarding KD, I think, and then Matisse guarding Kyrie. I think that is the one that makes the most sense. As you alluded to, T uh, Tobias actually has been much better defensively um, over the last, I, I don't even know how many games you would say, a couple weeks he, he's been better on that end of the floor. Uh, certainly worry about him fighting through screens. And I certainly, like you said, I mean, at the end of the last game against the Nets, just Kevin Durant went Kevin Durant. I think to an extent, like in a weird way, like do you really want to put Matisse on KD? Because it, to I think, and I'm, I'm going to touch on this as well, like it, it's almost like Joel Embiid in the sense that the best way to defend Joel Embiid is to hope that he just misses sometimes. And I think KD is certainly in that category where, especially when he starts cook, like, you know, in the mid range, he's almost automatic. So if he just gets, and he's so tall and he's so long, he just needs an inch of space and he can get the shot up and he can hit it. So it's almost like you just need someone who can body him a little bit physically and then be long enough to get a hand in his face and then live with the results. And I think Tobias fits the criteria of that. Um, whereas with Kyrie, I, I really think Matisse might be the only player really equipped on this roster to even compete with him. I mean, maybe Maxi, but Maxi is as much as I like Maxi's potential defensively, he is still very young and there's still a lot of the nuances he's learning and there's still some growth there. So I don't love him putting him right on Kyrie Irving at coming off a 50 point game um, and saying, here you go. I, I think the better matchup is to put Matisse on him and go Tobias against KD. But I will say this too, because this is where I went up on the discussion. Like it's a fair point because uh, there's no good way to defend it. If you flip it around though, 
I don't know how the Nets stop James Harden, Joel Embiid, and Tyrese Maxey uh, because we've seen what Joel Embiid has done to Andre Drummond in the past pre this version of Joel Embiid. Um, and we've seen, you know, and, and with all due respect to, you know, a guy like Kyrie Irving or, you know, Seth Curry, who, who's we've seen his defensive deficiencies here in Philadelphia, whether he has to guard Tyrese Maxey or James Harden, that is a, an extremely favorable matchup for the Sixers. So, yeah, I, I think that's what part of what makes it intriguing is I don't know how the one team stops the other. Um, I really don't. Um, but I think the one thing you touched on that I, I wanted to follow up with you on is the, the thiable factor. Cause I think it is really interesting. And I think there's a stat that when he's in double digits, they're like undefeated this year or something close to that. So that's an interesting little nugget there because I think that is to your point. It's when he is offensively viable, he can stay on the floor longer, which means he can make a big, a greater defensive impact. But I think what we've seen mostly is that when teams go zone, Doc Rivers has gone away from a T-Stiebel, and I think it's a, it's fair because um, it does really hurt the offense when Matisse Stiebel's in a zone and can't be effective. And I think the Cleveland game is kind of the biggest is, – is the most recent example I could think of of when Harden was in the lineup where that happened, uh, where they had to go away from him a little bit because of the zone. Now, I'll, I guess this is two parts. Like, do you, do you think that Steve Nash and Brooklyn, do they go with a little zone? I don't really know how much they – because I think part of it too, right, is like a team has to be able to execute a zone. Like they have to be able to play it. And I thought Cleveland, because of their length, they were able to do that um, because of what they have with Jared Allen, because of the, you know, the, the, the versatility they have with Okoro and Evan Mobley. They have the flexibility to do that. The Miami Heat, just Spolstra has used zone in the past. Like that's something he's gone to before. So that's not a surprise that it would work well for them. So I guess, do you think the Nets go to zone and, and do, and then I guess the second part of that is, do you think that James Harden's impact, you know, since the Cleveland game, could do you, do you think they will adjust to that and that they will be able to beat a zone with James Harden, even if Matisse Thibel's on the floor? My sense is, or my guess, educated guess there is that zone would be in their back pocket. It would be a plan B. I, I think it would be surprising to begin the game in a zone or turn to it. Uh, early on or or something along those lines. But I think, like you said, Steve Nash is very well aware that James Harden and a James Harden-led team is tough to stop. And you probably need multiple coverages and that it probably makes sense for zone to be one of those. A little new element of that that's relevant is Danny Green is now out with this middle finger laceration. And you can recall a few times this season where he's busted a zone for the Sixers where they were having issues scoring and he bailed them out with a contested catch and shoot three. So the Sixers don't have that anymore and they just don't have the experience with James Harden leading a zone offense. I think whatever defense the Sixers face, I feel pretty confident about their ability to score against it when James Harden is on the court. I think though the process and the scheme and just some of the nuances of execution, it might not click overnight. Uh, And just drawing free throws and 
posting and putting pressure on the defense and, and all of these really positive, like aggressive forms of offense that we've seen from the Sixers with Harden, maybe some of those uh, diminish a little bit against his own. But if I had to guess, like, do they overall fare well if the Nets play zone? I think my answer is yeah. I think the Sixers are well positioned to continue scoring a lot of points. They've averaged over 125 per game <laughs> with Harden on the floor. And it doesn't feel fluky to me. And one of the reasons for that is Tobias Harris hasn't adjusted that well and isn't making open shots. Matisse Thibel has two recent scoreless games. And there are clear examples where the Sixers lack familiarity and lack an understanding of each other's tendencies just because it's a new basketball team. And yet they're scoring 125 points per game. And I think um, the Nets are a team that they should continue to have success against uh, whether or not zone is part of the equation. I saw uh, Josh Schrager, who does a great job as a stats guy for the broadcast for NBC Sports Philadelphia. He put out like the net rating and um, the points per pos- for 100 possessions for the trio of Harden and Bede and Maxi, and they were outscoring teams for 100 possessions, something like 133 to 100 or something ridiculous like that. So yeah, I mean, when, when those three guys are on the court, it, it's 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 really difficult. It's really difficult to stop them, and it's really difficult even to score against them. Really. Um, Again, a couple other things that you touched on that I, that I want to bring up, and it kind of leads me from that point of that trio and how successful they've been. Zone, I would say, I'm, I'm concerned of, too, when the Sixers, when DeAndre Jordan comes into the game, and, yeah, Joel, you know, James Harden is going to anchor those lineups, but you can't play, especially in a zone situation, I think like you can't play Thibel and DeAndre Jordan together. Um, cause I just don't think that's going to work. So that could be tricky. If you're, if you find yourself in a situation where KD and Kyrie are on the floor together and that's during the Harden Deandre Jordan minutes, like that's, that to me is where it could get a little bit tricky, but you, and you also brought up Danny green who, um, you know, we don't know exactly how long Danny's going to be out for, but clearly he will be out tomorrow night with that, um, finger laceration. So we're looking at more minutes from shake Milton more, most likely, um, possibly a longer look at Isaiah Joe and possibly Furkan Korkmaz getting yet another opportunity to try to break out of his 56 game slump. Um, For you, I feel like I know that you and I have been fairly high on Isaiah Joe since the Sixers drafted him. I think we were both pleasantly surprised by how good he was on the defensive end pretty much right away uh, for a young player, for a guy who is, you know, by NBA standards, still pretty darn skinny. Um, But I, for you, what, I guess, what do you see out of Joe that leads you to, like, do you, do you think, and I guess it's tough because you're not Doc Rivers and Doc Rivers can be really rigid with this kind of thing. And sometimes the birth certificate matters to him, but other than just the obvious of like make shots, like what can Isaiah Joe do to make sure that this run ends in him getting a rotation shot? Or is it as simple as that? Is it, he just needs to keep playing the same solid defense he's played and just make shots. Is that really it? think that's mostly it It was funny today uh Isaiah Joe uh, spoke spoke to reporters after practice but we had to wait a little bit because he was lifting weights so he's doing everything (laughs) he can to put on some muscle but undeniably he is 
not as muscular as the average NBA player. I do think that element of it is big in terms of what he needs to prove and potentially can show here. Just can he guard multiple positions effectively? Um, I mean, I remember even when, you know, during Dan Burke's stretch as interim head coach when Doc Rivers was out um, because of COVID, you know, asking him about Joe and he was very high on Joe's attitude and some of the things he brings to the table, but was also honest about the size being a limiting factor defensively in the Sixers' minds and that being difficult to work around, I think. And that's how the coaching staff sees things. Like, it, there's only so much you can make up for via effort and intelligence. Like, sometimes you're just too small to, to stop a big NBA player. So if he can disabuse them of that notion here, that'd be huge. And, and perhaps he will get opportunities to do so. You know, if he's sharing the floor with Harden and the Sixers want to be switch heavy and he ends up on some small forwards and power forwards and they try to bully him in the post for a few possessions and he holds his own, uh, that'd be a big deal. But I think regardless, if he's awesome from three-point range and he takes every shot that comes his way and he makes half of them, probably hard to keep him out of the rotation. I, I think I've figured that Shake Milton, unless he really declines substantially here, is well-positioned to get playoff minutes. I think George Niang looks like the team's best bench player right now. Probably by a mile right now, yeah. Yeah, uh, and you figure Danny Green, if and when healthy, you know, needs to be a guy who's got minutes for you in the playoffs. And then Isaiah Joe uh, definitely has a chance here, but he, I think, is fighting an uphill battle as far as the way he's viewed. Part of that's youth, part of that's size, part of it's inexperience. But, hey, if he plays excellent basketball, uh, maybe he can make it happen for himself. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more with Noah Levick right after this. It seems like, yeah, like the I think you mentioned, like they have a top nine that I feel like is. I don't want to say locked in, but probably penciled in um, definitely the top eight, I would say, or penciled in when you're talking about um, at this point. It, we, I, I think Doc can dance around. All I want Don, DeAndre Jordan is going to absolutely get every opportunity to make this this work. I'm going to touch more on him in a second. Um, like you mentioned, Danny Green clearly as a veteran guy, even though I, I am a little concerned about him and his health, and I don't think he has he's been playing at 100% even close to it uh, in a weird way. Maybe this finger laceration is good and gives him a little time to kind of get away and, and rest his legs because um, I have some pretty big concerns about where he is right now. Um, and then obviously George Niang has looked like an absolute steal in free agencies, looked like one of the best bargains really for any team, I feel like. And then also he's just, as uh, Steve Lippman wrote on Liberty Blush, that guy's just a lot of fun. Uh, he's a fun guy to watch, talks a lot of shit. It's very enjoyable. And um, he's just a great personality. And we talked about this before, Noah, just like the most self-aware player I think I've ever covered. He just knows his role. He knows what he is. And like that minivan nickname, like he he relishes it and he lives it. And um, it's what makes him such a likable guy and so easy to cover. But I, I want to talk about DeAndre Jordan a little bit because he made his Sixers debut, played a little over 10 minutes, and was a zero, which for most people and most players, you'd be like, oh, well, that means he didn't make an impact on the game. But with this Sixers team and the struggles they've had in the past with backup centers and everything, which for a minute, Andre Drummond seemed like a pretty good guy in that role. Um, and then they you know, have to move him as part of that trade. But for DeAndre Jordan to just play even, and for that unit to just tread water for 10 minutes while Joel Embiid is on the bench, I feel like that's huge, right? I mean, I feel like that's what they like. They don't need him to be as much as Doc. And I really hope he said that in jest when he said it. <laughs> they don't need him to be Lob City DeAndre Jordan. They just need him to be solid for 10 minutes a game. So I guess for you, like, what did you make of his debut? And can you see him being just that, like just viable enough to get them through those minutes in the playoffs? I don't think I can give a confident yes to that question, <laughs> but enough. I think there are reasons to believe it could happen. Uh, I think one of the largest ones being he'll be sharing the floor with James Harden. He's done that before. And they were essentially even last last year with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, many of those lineups featured better players than these lineups will feature. They included Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and Joe Harris, and they were very, very good offensively and not so much defensively. I think those units being below average defensively, that looks like a very safe bet at this point, I think just hard to compensate for all of the weak spots there. And then you wonder 
whether Doc Rivers will stagger things a little differently in the playoffs or how often he will shorten the rotation just so that certain guys who struggle defensively uh, are in on the floor with James Harden and DeAndre Jordan, who also are not especially formidable as defenders. But look, I think Jordan knows his role, which is nice. Uh, he's not going to try to stray from that and make highlight behind the back passes in the way Drummond might have. And I, think, I do kind of miss those though. I got to be, Oh yeah. It was the experience. Uh, quite the experience. Yeah. We'll get a little, little taste of it tomorrow. Night. <laughs> It'll be enjoyable. I'm sure for everyone. So I think Jordan can still screen and roll at a decent level. He's still big as Doc Rivers has pointed out a few times. He's still almost seven feet tall. <laughs> Paul Millsap is six, seven. That means Deandre Jordan is significantly more imposing. If you're a ball handler, consider taking a path to the paint and he still can rebound. He actually produced six points directly off offensive rebounds in his Sixers debut. But I think a good chunk of that was fortunate. You know, many of those offensive rebounds will not immediately lead to three pointers the way they did and perhaps boosted his plus minus number (laughs) game. Uh, So I think it could work, but I think there's also the potential that it goes very negatively. And the reality is Joel Embiid has had a lot of rotten luck in the playoffs. So it's also, also shouldn't be overlooked that the Sixers aren't in a great spot if he has to miss a game or games. I I don't think like with Drummond, you feel like you can just plug someone in there and be okay in a spot where Embiid is sidelined for a bit. But hey, in the 10 minutes, that question, uh, there's a little more reason for optimism, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I'll say this too. I, I think he moved a lot better than maybe I was anticipating. Um, like, don't get me wrong. He's not, you know, he's not Joel Embiid. He's not going to be able to show on, on pick and rolls. He's, he's going to have to play drop, drop coverage, and there's going to be plenty of times where he's going to get beat um, to the rim because he's just not quite fast enough. But I was encouraged that he didn't move as poorly as I thought um, he would. Um, didn't look at, you know, because I thought, like, at times with the Lakers, I mean, he looked like he was 33 going on 53. Like, he just he just looked like an older player. But maybe this being in this atmosphere, being back with Doc Rivers, being back with James Harden, perhaps that's rejuvenated him a little bit, which, you know, like, these guys are human, right? I mean, from an, uh, from a personal emotional standpoint, like it, it's not crazy to think that the environment in LA affected him negatively and that this environment could affect it positively. That's not to say, again, that's not to say he's going to magically become, you know, Lob City DeAndre Jordan, but it is to say that he, it's feasible that he could look like a much better basketball player here than he looked like during his tenure with the Lakers, given the Lakers situation and just the mess that that team is right now. I do want to talk a little bit about the Ben Simmons situation. I've resisted because I, quite frankly, I, I, and I know you will agree with me. I think it's getting beaten to death and I am very over it as someone who covers the team on a daily basis. And we had eight months of Ben Simmons trade chatter and all this stuff and all these reports. And like, 
I was very relieved when the trade happened and we all got to move on for a little bit, but here we are. Um, and this game is coming, but he's not playing in it. it that has been official. Now he is officially ruled out um, with the ramp up slash the back issue. So um, he will not be playing. He will apparently, according to Steve Nash, be in Philadelphia, be on the bench. And there was also a report that came out from Kyle Newbeck at the Philly voice that said, Part of the reason why he wants to be on the bench is that they that his rep- representation believes it could help his um, grievance case, which, okay, um, I don't know why that fans booing him and being mean to him would signal that, especially now he's on another team. So even more reason for them to kind of boo him and, and all that. But I guess from your standpoint, Noah, like, what do you we i don't even know what to say like we are expecting it to be crazy like we've described it every single way possible it's circus like it's going to be you know chaotic and there's going to be fans that are probably going to say and do some stupid things and it's just it's going to be a really charged atmosphere but do you like my feeling is this i think leading up to the game it'll be like that. You're probably going to get some chance, whether it's like something about Ben sucking, whether it's something about, you know, Harden being better or we got hard, something like that is going to happen. I feel like leading up to the game, it's going to be a really, really crazy atmosphere like that. But I, don't know, I have this feeling that once the ball's in the air and once the game starts, especially if like James Harden gets off to a good start, right. And hits like two step back threes. I feel like it's just going to go away. I mean, uh, what's kind of your sense? Like, do you feel like this is being, I I mean, is this being overhyped? Like, are are we at that point where it's like, like, is anything really truly going to happen other than, okay, he's going to get booed and there's going to be some signs and there's going to be some, some people maybe saying some nasty things to him. To me. And I don't want to sound too, negative or cynical about it but the big question is just how nasty are those things unfortunately Uh, do they cross lines that shouldn't be crossed and i don't know i genuinely don't know and i'm not saying that to paint philly fans in a bad light or say that philly fans are uniquely atrocious or anything like that but as you said, the emotions are going to be extremely high and it could happen. And if that does happen, unfortunately, it's been a big deal. And unfortunately, we've had incidents in a similar category recently with Carmelo Anthony and with the Russell Westbrook popcorn incident. And those were, you know, merely visiting players. And obviously Ben Simmons is viewed far worse than that and so i just hope for the best and if the best doesn't happen i know many fans gut reaction will be just a bad apple or you know that person shouldn't dictate how philly fans or a whole is are seen And I agree with that. But on the other hand, if it does happen, it's a big deal and it has to be covered and viewed as a big deal because, you know, while naturally these things become a circus and that's the environment, like 
that's probably not a great thing as far as treating athletes like human beings and maintaining perspective and not crossing lines. <laughs> like those types of environments are conducive to line crossing behavior. So we hope for the best. Uh, yeah. And then if the best does happen, I think at least we're now in a spot where Ben Simmons won't be booed every time he touches the ball because he will not be touching a ball unless it happens to <laughs> you know, stray over to the Brooklyn bench. And <laughs> Which he probably while. will get booed. Yeah. If that happens. Yeah. Oh, big time. <laughs> um, but right outside of that, when the action begins, I'm sure the people closest to the bench will continue to say things, but the everyone's attention will be on what's happening on the court. And that's, that's great. Yeah. And I, I think you nailed it on the head. I, I think the sentiment here is there is like booing, even heckling without crossing a line is fine. Like you, you pay your money, you, you go to the game, you could do what you want. Just don't cross the line. And and I, not to pile on Ben Simmons here, but like there's enough stuff with Ben Simmons as a basketball player that you can go after that. You don't have to go after him personally. You don't have to go after him with, you know, with, with anything with the injury stuff or anything with the, you know, the mental health situation, obviously like just stay away from those things. Just focus on him and, and his basketball deficiencies or focus on the fact that James Harden is here. Um, I jokingly said in our, in our Sixer Slack, like there's, there's fewer worse feelings than your ex telling you they're in love with someone, someone else already just after the breakup. So like, like to me, like that's the route to go, right? Like just be focused on the fact that James Harden is here. And like that to me is, is that should be the focus. That should be where, where the minds are and tell him he can't shoot, you know, tell him he choked in the playoffs, all those things. Fine. Uh, do what you got to do, but just, yeah, just as long as you don't cross like you mentioned, like the, the Russell Westbrook thing, like that was horrible. And then the Carmelo Anthony thing, even worse. Uh, well, I wouldn't even say even worse, just both bad, uh, both really. Make, and, and, and I think what you kind of touched on and you're right is the temperature is high. The spotlight is on Philadelphia right now. Like everybody is looking at this game around the league. Like they're like ESPN TNT. They are ready to jump on it. Anything happens with Ben Simmons and Phil, they're all ready for it. So it's almost like a trap, right? Like it really is in a way. I mean, don't get me like a knucklehead's a knucklehead and they're going to do something. Like if they're going to do something stupid, they're going to do something stupid. They don't need someone or something necessarily to, to make them do it. But the point is it, it's set up so that it, it's, it, it, they're making it easy to happen where it is. If, and if it does happen, it's going to be blasted everywhere. So like, just, just be smart. Like if you're, if you're a Sixers fan, you're going down, just be smart, man. Like, like I said, just stick, keep the basketball, rip them apart, do what you got to do. And then focus on the fact that James Harden plays for the Philadelphia 76ers and that they're trying to win a very important basketball game. I know that's not going to happen right now. I mean, we're, we spent a lot of time here talking about a basketball game and a lot of people are not going to be focused on that. And that, that is what it is. But um, I want to say thank you so much, Noah, for coming on. I appreciate it every time you come on. And I was very glad you got to see Miles again because, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's very cool to have people interact and see him in different faces. And very glad you got that, uh, that chance to see him for a minute. 
I, I was grateful as well. No, I'm, uh, the Hudrick family are, are all stars. So oh, we try. We well, try over awesome. here. It's uh, awesome to see Miles tonight. <laughs> all right. No, thank you so much for hopping on, man. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all of you for checking out the Coming In For Atlantic podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Please rate, download, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. For all of Noah's work, you can go to NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. He is their Sixers insider. I am your host, Paul Hudrick, and I will talk to you guys next time. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.